Welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash ghn. This activity is supported by Novartis. Welcome to this peer voice activity on non small cell lung cancer. This activity comprises two presentations featuring international experts. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Welcome to this activity. I'm Benjamin Bess. I'm a medical oncologist at Gustave Roussy in Paris, France. I will review here the main clinical data that were presented at the World Conference on Lung Cancer in Vienna this year. I will highlight mostly results on targeted therapies and immunotherapies. So you know that Caras G12C inhibitors, so uh, Sotorazib or Adragrazib, that are the uh, two leaders so far, have nice response rate, but PFS that are a bit lower than seven months because the resistance to Keras inhibitor arises quickly. It sounds completely logical to try to combine these uh, inhibitors to new drugs in order to delay the secondary resistance to Keras G12C inhibitors. Among these uh, potential combinations, um, SHIP2 inhibitors were one of the most promising, and we have seen for the first time the data of the phase one of the combination of Sotorazib, a, G12, a G, a Keras G12C inhibitor, with RMC4630. If we look at the response rate of only 11 patients enrolled, we see that overall the response rate is 27%, and in the six patients that were naive of any exposition to a Keras inhibitor, 50%. While the numbers look good, maybe not as good as expected, but as I said, it's not only to increase the response rate, it's more to delay the secondary resistance, so the PFS will probably be key. Good news is that uh, in terms of adverse event, uh, the two drugs seems to uh, match pretty good. Uh, there were some uh, peripheral and facial edemas, but mostly grade 1 and 2, and easily manageable. So Torazib is quite a friendly drug, and with a SHIP2 inhibitor such as this one, it seems to be still the case. Not for all the combination, we will see that a bit later. In terms of new Keras G12C inhibitors, we have seen the first results of the phase one with a GDC6036, uh, a new inhibitor that was tested at various doses, and here you have the display of all the responses uh, uh, among all the different dose levels. Overall, the response rate is 53%, but the confirmed response rate is 46%. It's in the range, or maybe a bit higher, than what, what we have seen with Sotorazib or Adorazib. The very nice thing here is that 
If you look at the blue bars uh, uh, below, it means that the dose is 400, which will be the dose for the later drug development. And it seems that response is dose-dependent and that most of the responses were seen with this dose. So it might be the case that in the near future, when this study would be updated and maybe limited to uh, the dose that we will use in the following clinical trial, the response rate will be higher. Of course, we are waiting eagerly to see the PFS of this agent. Going back to the combination of Sotorazib plus other, other drugs, uh, so far the G12C inhibitors are developed second-line post-chemoimmunotherapy. The big question is, will this drug be available to make it first-line? And since we are talking about patients with Keras-mutated non-small cell lung cancer, we are talking about smokers and about a population that usually has pretty good response to immunotherapy. And since in these patients, immunotherapy is part of the frontline, the logical combination frontline would be a Keras G12C inhibitor uh, in association with uh, uh, an immunotherapy. Uh, the Cutbreak, this Cutbreak study has explored the combination of uh, atezolizumab or pembrolizumab to immunotherapies with sotorazib. It seems that uh, the full dose of sotorazib is not a good match uh, among the three patients treated. 100% develop liver enzyme elevation grade 3 or more. So within the phase one, uh, the orders uh, had to de-escalate the dose of sotorazib up to 120 mg a day compared to 660 mg a day with the usual dose to be, to be able to have uh, a good balance between efficacy and toxicity. And uh, this is this dose uh, that will be developed later first line. In terms of efficacy, we have a response rate of 29%. It's quite close to what we have seen with Sotorazib single agent. What is new here is that we know that with immunotherapy, although we could have improved the response rate, the real information we want to see is in those patients where we induce a response, will pembrolizumab or atelizumab allow the drug to be very uh, effective in a very long matter, so to have much higher PFS than the roughly seven months that we see with the single agent. So a lot to follow on this, and other drugs like Sotorazib are also combined with immunotherapy. It's really a key field for the future. I would like now to move to immunotherapy with three different topics. Um, we know that um, Standard of care now is for advanced patients without driver is either immunotherapy alone, either immunotherapy combined with chemotherapy. It's not very easy sometimes when PDL1 is positive to discriminate the patients that are eligible to immunotherapy single agent or chemoimmunotherapy. But we know that there is a subgroup that we can call hard to treat that will have primary resistance to most of the drug. STK11 mutation has been shown to be one of the key negative predictive factors for immunotherapy. 
Here we have seen the data of Poseidon. It's a phase three study that have compared three different regimen in patients with uh, chemonaive uh, advanced non-sports lung cancer. So first of all, it was the control arm with chemotherapy, a platinum-based chemotherapy. Then platinum-based chemotherapy plus durvalumab, an antibody against PDL1. And a quadriplet where we have two chemotherapy, platinum-based chemotherapy, plus durvalumab, plus tremelilumab, an antibody again CTLA4. The nice thing here is that in the 14 patients that had a STK11 mutation, it seems that there is a much stronger benefit adding a, a second immunotherapy, uh, uh, tremelimumab. It's interesting because in the whole population, the benefit of tremelimumab was not very obvious, and chemo-IO with only one PD-1 or PDL1 is still the standard of care. But this study suggests that maybe in poor prognosis subgroup of patients, we will need to intensify the immunotherapy, and we hope that more data will follow up in this specific population, hard-to-treat population. Let's move to a huge unmet need, which is the patients where, that were exposed to platinum-based chemotherapy and immunotherapy, and that are uh, 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 relapsing. Those patients currently are offered docetaxel, which is a very poor single-agent drug, either because it induces uh, a lot of side effects and because the response rate of the PFS is quite disappointing. So we really need new drugs in uh, this setting. Hudson is a platform umbrella study where the goal is to resensitize the patients to immunotherapy. So all the patients were previously treated by chemoimmunotherapy and then entering Hudson, they receive again an immunotherapy, Durvalumab here, plus a, a, a targeted therapy that is uh, uh, meant to increase uh, the uh, immunomodulatory uh, uh, um, aspect and increase the sensitivity uh, to Durvalumab. In the first results that we have seen, four different drugs were tested. Olaparib, a PARP inhibitor, Oleclumab, an antibody again CD73, uh, Danvartirsen, uh, a STAT3 inhibitor. But in fact, the only cohort where we have seen a quite interesting efficacy is with Seralazertib, an ATR inhibitor. Both drugs induce a response rate of 16.7% which is much higher than in the other cohort, where the response rate was lower than 5%. And if we look at the PFS curves, the PFS of the combination is 6 months, compared to 2.7 months for any of the other computation. It's quite promising, because 2.7 months is what you could expect with single-agent docetaxel. In terms of overall survival, there was also a good trend. So currently, this combination is moving to phase 3, second-line post-chemo-IO against docetaxel, so that might be a new player in the field of this unmet need setting uh, failure after chemo-IO. And finally, a presentation on uh, 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 questions that we have a lot in our clinics, which is, I treat my patients first line with immunotherapy. 
the fixed duration of the immunotherapy is two years, and if the patient is still on response at two years, I have to stop immunotherapy, wait, and watch. For the patients that relapse, there is the option to re-challenge immunotherapy. And here, we see the data of re-challenge of pembrolizumab in a cohort that match uh, uh, five different trials. So in these patients, the response rate when you re-challenge pembrolizumab is 19.3%, which is quite good because the PFS was 10.3 months. And the OS of this population is more than uh, two years, 27.5 months. So yes, there is uh, uh, an opportunity to re-challenge. If you look at the figure, it seems that when the free interval between the last injection of immunotherapy and the re-challenge is higher than one year, this is where you will have the best benefit for your patients. So I would say that during this Congress, the most interesting part was on targeted therapy for the Keras G12C inhibitors, which is a quickly evolving field Regarding immunotherapy, we have new data on the patients with R2 treat disease, which are the ones that fail immunotherapy, either maybe increasing the number of immunotherapy you give first line or finding new promising combo in second line. With that, I thank you for your attention. Dear colleagues, I'm Noemi Reward, medical oncologist from Hospital Clinic Barcelona, Spain. I welcome you all to this activity in which I will discuss some of the key clinical data presented at ESMO 2022 this year about emerging therapies in non-small cell lung cancer, including impact and implications on practice. So let's first take a look at the Cold Break 200. This is a randomized phase three trial presented by Melissa Johnson comparing sotorazib versus docetaxel in previously treated advanced non-small cell lung cancer patients with Keras G12C mutations. Sotorazib is a highly specific inhibitor of Keras G12C mutations. The trial met its primary endpoint and sotorazib reached a statistically significant and clinically meaningful improvement in progression-free survival with a reduction in the risk of death or progressive disease of 44%, doubling the progression-free survival rates at two years from 10 to 25%. This improvement was observed indeed across all group analysis, including age, sex, or CNS involvement. The overall survival was not significantly different between the two treatment arms, However, the study was empowered to test for overall survival, and there was indeed a 34% of crossover rate. The overall response rate was also improved with sotorazib compared to the Thetaxel. Moreover, responses with sotorazib were faster and last longer. Treatment-related adverse events were consistent with the known safety profile of sotorazib. Grade 3 or higher treatment-related adverse events were lower with sotorazib compared with ocetaxel. And additionally, and importantly, patient-related outcomes, including global health status, physical functioning, or dyspnea, were superior with sotorazib compared with ocetaxel. 
Taken together, this study confirms the superiority, better tolerability, and quality of life for sotirazib over docetaxel and represents a new therapeutic option for previously treated advanced non-small cell lung cancer patients with CARRATH G12C mutations. The second trial of targeted therapies I want to talk about is the Destiny Lung O2 trial. The authors present the interim results. This is a phase two arm non-comparative trial exploring two different doses of trastuzumab deruxtecan at 5.4 and 6.4 mixed kicks in patients previously treated with advanced non-small cell lung cancer and importantly with HER2 mutations. In this trial, trastuzumab deruxtecan at a lower dose of 5.4 mcx show robust responses of 54%. Moreover, a more favorable safety profile was observed for trastuzumab deruxtecan at lower dose of 5.4 mcx and the incidence of drug-related interstitial lung disease, pneumonitis, which is one of the most fierce drug-related adverse events of antibody drug conjugates, was lower in the trastuzumab deruxtecan at lower dose of 5.4 milligrams kg. Taken together, this study results provides compelling evidence of the positive benefit-risk balance of using lower doses of trastuzumab deruxtecan and a potential new standard treatment in this patient population with HER2 mutations. And now let's have a look at some of the data presented on targeted therapies, but in another setting, in patients with early stage disease. Dr. Suvoy presented an updated analysis of the ADAURA trial with an additional two-year follow-up and with all patients having received the three years of adjuvant osimertinib. This is a randomized trial and it was first presented by Dr. Herbs at ESMO 2020 and it explored adjuvant osimertinib for up to three years versus placebo in resected stage 1b3a non-small cell lung cancer patients with EGFR mutations. In this updated analysis, the disease-free survival benefit with osimertinib continues to be very impressive, with 77% reduction in the risk of the relapse or death in resected stage 2-3a patients with EGFR mutations. However, we still do not have overall survival as this is still immature and has not been provided. The most common sites of recurrence in the ADAURA trial were the lungs, the limb nodes, and central nervous system, and there were lower local and distant metastases with osimertinib versus the placebo group. No new safety concerns were reported with osimertinib. Taken together, the results of this updated analysis of the ADAURA further reinforce the use of osimertinib as a adjuvant therapy in patients with resected EGFR mutant non-small cell lung cancer and for sure represents a new standard of care in this group population of patients. But let's move now to another setting, the trials with novel interesting strategies with immunotherapy in advanced disease. And we will first review the results of a phase three French trial, the DISCIPLE trial. 
This is a non-inferiority trial evaluating the role of immunotherapy treatment discontinuation. In this trial, patients with advanced disease in the first-line setting were treated with a short course of ipilimumab and nivolumab for six months, and if response or, or stabilization was achieved, patients were randomized to continue until disease progression or an stop-and-go approach. However, the recruitment for this trial was not complete due to external circumstances and only, finally, only 71 patients were randomized. So at the end, the results of this trial are only exploratory um, and we cannot have definitive conclusions. However, no detrimental effect was observed in disease-free survival for those patients that were randomized to the stop-and-go arm. Indeed, there was a numerical improvement of progression-free survival in patients randomized to the stop-and-go strategy. And tolerability was also much better in those patients that were randomized to this stop-and-go strategy. No differences in overall survival were seen. Although data is still immature, the results of this trial are only exploratory in nature, but are hypothesis generating, generating, providing clues for further immune checkpoint inhibitors regimen optimization in patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer. And the last study I want to talk about is the increased trial. This is a single-arm unicenter phase 2 study evaluating the addition of ipilimumab and nivolumab to chemoradiotherapy in patients with resectable or borderline resectable locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Indeed, the majority of patients included in this trial were pancoas tumor, that is tumors with high T disease with invasion of surrounding structures. This trial confirmed its primary endpoint that was to improve pathological complete response over the 30% historical control achieved with chemotherapy and radiotherapy, and complete pathological responses were seen in 63% of patients who had surgery. Major pathological responses were observed in 79% of patients. Interestingly, as exploratory analysis, the authors also evaluated T-cell responses, and they observed that the combination of radiotherapy, ipilimumab, nivolumab, and chemotherapy led to an increased T-cell response both in tumor-draining lymph nodes and the primary tumor. No patient failed to undergo surgery, and indeed, all patients 100% achieved R0 resection, so high level or local control rate with this therapeutic strategy. This study provides proof of concept of the potential synergism of combining immunotherapy, chemotherapy, and radiotherapy, and might represent indeed a new potential neoadjuvant strategy in patients with borderline resectable tumors. So this year, in ESMO 2022, we have seen really important data on targeted therapies, new trials, and also new potential immunotherapy strategies in patients with advanced disease that are going to change the future treatment of our patients with non-small cell lung cancer. And with that, I want to finish my presentation and thank you so much for your attention and for joining me today. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.